You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Robert Smith. By the time all of you are listening to this, we'll be down to just one more episode beyond this one for season two of the Fair Game podcast. And we want to make sure these last two episodes bring you value, which is why I have invited today's guests onto the show. We've spoken this season with everyone from fair managers to concessionaires, from agents to entertainers. Today's guest, however, has a unique position in this industry. You see, none of us are able to do anything we do without the product his company offers. Haas and Wilkerson Insurance is based in Fairway, Kansas, which is in the Kansas City area. And I'm joined today by one of their producers. This is Andrew Vandepopular. Andrew, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate I- you having me on. I knew I'd finally get that out for the, for those of you listening at home. I had to spit that intro out about four times before I got it right. Hey, it's, it's Zoom. It's Zoom, right? It's it, we can edit this. We can make it sound good. Uh, so, listen, I'm glad you can be with us today. I want to get to the insurance aspects of the events industry and how COVID has affected all of our events. But before I do that, I understand back at the beginning of November, you got a special delivery. You're a father now. Tell us about it. I did. Uh, we had a little baby November 3rd, election day. Uh, AJ is his name. He was eight pounds, five ounces and a little over 22 inches long. So a really long baby. Um, but he is just the most important thing in my world right now. And it's been awesome being home with him. And truthfully, you know, as bad as COVID was, I'm trying to take the silver linings out of all this. I got to be home through the entire pregnancy because of COVID. And I obviously got to be home this last couple of weeks, uh, just more time with him than I would have ever imagined. So um, you take a silver lining out of the, the 2020 and everybody says, you know, 2020 is the year to forget. Well, I got a little I got a little something at the end of the year. <laughs> Excellent. And and how is mom doing? Mom is doing great. And uh, she's home. She'll be home until February with with AJ, obviously. And and she's doing great. She's just getting getting around more and more. And uh, we also have a little puppy that has went full secret service mode. So uh, in the middle of the night, if I get up, he goes with me. And if he doesn't like what I'm doing, he lets me know. So um, it's kind of nice to have a little bodyguard for him. So so puppies protective of the family and of new baby, huh? Yeah, he, he definitely went from being, uh, I was his favorite, I would say, to not being his favorite anymore. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, a boxer lab mix, Jasper, and it's real funny. We were walking with him one day and another neighbor's dog came running out of, you know, another friendly little pup, hopped up on Sarah just to say hi. And Jasper, I was walking him and he almost yanked my arm trying to get back at this dog. Like, what are you doing getting on my human back up? Yep. Yeah, and Jasper, they, being a boxer, protective. he's about as friendly as can be, but they're defensive. They're very, very protective, and uh, he's gotten to the point where I'm sure you know what a, a lounger is for the babies. Uh, he will climb into the lounger with AJ now. Wow. So, um, as long as he's not crying, I don't care, but uh, it, it is pretty funny to watch him. So, so have, you started, have you started getting any sleep yet, or are you still very sleep-deprived? Um, as you can see, it, it's still there a little, um, but as of last week, he's actually only getting up once uh, a night. So that's very good. And uh, I take last feeding and first feeding and mom takes the middle usually. So it, it works out pretty good for us. So. Well, it's just, I will just unsolicited advice over communicate with your wife right now, because in your exhaustion, you will think I told her that and you didn't. 
been there already done yep. that um actually uh the the funniest thing that's happened to us so far was i fell asleep in the grocery store parking lot two days ago so um that'll, that'll <laughs> you fell good. asleep at a grocery, grocery store? store and I, I closed my eyes for a few minutes because it was nice and warm in the truck and i woke up 15 minutes later so um been there that. <laughs> yeah, so. you see, I re- I remember Nate just turned 10 the other day and I remember after he was born, people would tell us, "Oh, well you got to sleep when the baby sleeps." And I'm like, at first we tried to do that and then it was like, "But wait, when do I do the dishes? When do I do my laundry? When do I clean my house?" And you just, you know, you bumble through it and you find your way and all of a sudden you wake up and one day they're 10 and you're like, "Wow, that went fast." I'll tell you the the thing I've done is I just go till I fall over and I sleep for a while. And that's just the way it works right now. (laughs) That's it. Now you guys are based out of Kansas city, right? Correct. Yep. We're right in fairway, Kansas, which is a little suburb right off the country club plaza for those of you guys that know the KC area. Well, yeah, it's now see, I'm going to be honest here being a Mets fan. I have no love for that city. 2015, 2015 still haunts me. It was a little rough for you. I'm sure, but don't worry. I tell you that the Kansas City Royals have, have definitely not going to be in contention as of right now. So yeah. your Mets are safe for this year, I think. Well, um, we've got a new owner with deep pockets. He's ready to spend. You guys go get it. Go get it and, and uh, get your parade because they're, they're a hell of a time, man. We had the parade in 15, and then obviously we had our parade in, uh, in January, well, February of this year for the Chiefs. And uh, if you haven't lived through one, it's, it's a hell of a time. <laughs> yeah. You and I think, I don't know if Steve Seaver went, I know Steve's a, uh, from IFE. He's a big Royals fan. Also, did I ever tell you about how I jinxed the Mets in 2015? It's my fault, by the way, that they lost. Did I ever you tell you how I jinxed them? No. So I almost never bet on anything in my life because I lose religiously. Like I don't gamble. Cause I can't, I mean, I lose if, if I'm putting a bet on something, it's a safe bet to go the opposite way. So Anyhow, we're, it's October 2015, playoffs are going on. The Mets had already beat Chicago, and they were in for the World Series. And Kansas City, I think they went seven games with Toronto. Mm-hmm. And can, so they just clinched, literally within like minutes of them clinching. I'm texting Steve Seaver, and I'm like, hey, friendly wager, question mark. And he messages back. He's like, sure, what do you got in mind? And I said, loser buys the winner their team's championship t-shirt and he was like okay done deal that was a mistake on my part <laughs> did was... you find one because you couldn't find him in kansas city for <laughs> yeah no i just well that, that was the thing it used to be i remember when i was younger it was like here's the championship shirt it's on white or it's on gray at the end there were like 40 different varieties of i'm all i can't even pick so i sent him a 25 i think it was 25 50 dollar uh, a gift card for to mlb.com and i'm like here pick what you want yep get your own stuff uh, <laughs> I, well, I, I, was, I had to swallow hard on that one because i was like oh, i should never have bet or the mets would have won well i will tell you the year prior in 14 i paid out big to all the california folks uh chris borvansky matt cranford tom musser all those guys out there in california it cost me dearly in barbecue and bourbon. So um, I will tell you that that one was rough on me. <laughs> yeah. So lesson learned in this case, don't bet when your favorite team is on the line like that. Agreed. So let's talk about uh, a little bit about Haas and Wilkerson. Can you give us some background on the company? So we've been around since the thirties. Um, we got started in the amusements industry just through a traveling carnival and circus. And our program uh, is with Ace Chubb 
which is one of the largest carriers in the world. And we've been in this business since then. So we ensure fun is what we say. And it's carnivals, fairs, festivals, events, rodeos, amusement parks, water parks, you name it. If it's fun, we'll probably have something to do with it. Um, we try really, really hard to get into this and do it right. And that's one of the things that Ryan and our team stresses very much so uh, is do it and do it right. And we've been a partner with the IAFE since the beginning. And it's just a, it's a great industry to be a part of. And uh, all my friends say, oh, you're in insurance. I'm like, eh, it's a little different, guys. I, I do the different. It, it, this is fun. When I go to convention, it's not your typical insurance convention. Right. Yes. It's not the type of, uh, of, convention where everybody's in suits and ties it's the type of convention where you might be in a suit and tie but the guy next to you might be on stilts dressed up as a zebra or something i send some pretty awesome videos and pictures to my buddies who are at boring conventions and they're just like what where, do you even work so yes, yes. It, you never know like is there a is there a you know a nine or ten foot tall like max robot we you know we spoke with kyle palmer recently and he could be across from you you never know in our industry what you're going to see the Ivy uh, in Vegas was the one that used to just floor my friends when the Ivy would walk up against the wall and just scare the crap out of everyone. Yeah. And uh, that for some reason was the one that everybody's like, really? Like, this is your convention. I'm like, yep, this is us. <laughs> yeah. And we get that everywhere we go, whether it's the Florida fairs, IFE, Western fairs, T yep. Texas fairs, you're walking back to your hotel room and you're in costume and people are just looking like, here's a cowboy. Here's a dude on stilts. Here's a fortune machine. What is going on in this hotel? It's, it's always fun to go. Uh, Texas is one of the best for me uh, in that, you know, we are typically in a conservative part of Texas and in a nice hotel and a resort with, you know, and the people that are not at our convention are going, what did I stumble into? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. What kind of freak show is this? <laughs> well, it's more, it's more or less curious and wanting to come check it out. Yeah. Uh, we find a lot of people trying to get into the trade show to see what's going on. It's like, eh, sorry, I can't. <laughs> Right. So uh, let's back up with the insurance side of things. How did you end up with a career in insurance? Well, I started out as a teacher, um, which didn't last long because no child left behind drove me nuts, to be honest. Fair. Um, and then got into insurance as an adjuster. And I did adjustment for three years and then ended up at Hassan Wilkerson through some connections with family and friends. And been here ever since. The thing I will tell you is, is it's not something you get into out of college, but it's something I'm very happy in and I'm very um, satisfied in. I like what I do. And I will say this, that a lot of people say, you know, you didn't do anything with your degree. And I will argue that absolutely my degree has helped me immensely in this job and that I teach everywhere I go. Um, you, Robert, have seen, I teach at AFA, WFA, all those things. And uh, those skill sets have transferred over to where I'm at now uh, immensely. Uh, a lot of times you have to teach a fair board or a festival board or a rodeo board what they need. And you have to do so in a way that everyone understands. And, and that's being a teacher. For sure. I, you know, I experienced the same thing. I, my degrees from Eastern New Mexico university, it's a little division two school out near, you know, in Portales, New Mexico, near Lubbock, Texas. And my degrees in television production. And I only worked in TV news for like three and a half or four years. And then I bounced, but all that, technology education, video production education help, helps me produce this podcast, produce my content for, you know, promo videos, all of that. I have a real understanding on that. So degrees can be helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a matter of how you apply them. So listen, I wanted to get you on the show as you've got a real understanding of insurance requirements for events. And I thought given how much this pandemic has changed the landscape of events, 
you might be able to shed some light on what fairs might be looking at moving forward. So far this season, I've spoken with 28 other guests, and with the exception of only a couple of them, the majority of us realized somewhere around March 11th when Houston canceled that, oh man, this could be a big deal. Was that about the date you realized or being an insurance, did you see this coming even earlier? I'll be honest, I didn't see it coming even earlier because I got off a plane March 12th coming from uh, baseball spring training. Yeah, um, We had heard things were coming, but we kind of thought it'd be one of those things that lasted a, a shorter window, if you will, yep. um, and had no idea that it was going to be to the extent that it was, uh, or I did not. And so, you know, obviously I wouldn't have had my entire family in Phoenix, Arizona, which ended up being a hotspot if I thought it was going to be bad. Uh, what I will say is, is when Houston went down and then you started seeing some more dominoes fall, it was pretty quick that we picked up like this is not the same as it was before. Um, very quickly, we had a lot of our carriers in the in the cancellation world calling saying, put everything on hold, you know, let, let, let's hold up for a minute. And uh, Robert Holmes, who's another guy that does weather and cancellation insurance for Spectrum, um, he and I are very good friends and partners and we work on a lot of things together. And Robert said, you know, March 5th, this changes. And, and I was kind of hesitant to think, you know, he was, he was onto something and I'll be darned if he was. Um, the carriers just pulled the plug on any type of coverage for pandemic quotes going out the door, really beginning of March. And um, what we saw was that we thought there were going to be need to be adjustments made to how the fairs were done. We didn't think the the whole landscape of our business was going to change overnight and it did um but what i will say is is that it, it did change and you know fairs need to be aware uh they need to be on top of it so there's a lot of things they can do uh to help themselves well i know that and i'm not super familiar with with insurance i mean obviously as a performer myself i carry general liability but I've also, I know that outdoor events, it's not uncommon for them to purchase rain insurance, you know, where if there's a certain amount of rain in a given window, then there's an insurance payout. Is there anything like that with a health emergency such as a pandemic? Uh, you could have bought it pre-March of this year. So there are cancellation policies, uh, event cancellation policies, and you can buy different aspects of those. And um, I'm not a a dialed in perfect on every single one of them, but the ones that we focused on were, you know, rain. You can buy wet, all types of weather. You could buy violence, different things like that. And one of those things was a pandemic or an outbreak, as they called it that, you know. Um, most people didn't buy it. It was an additional cost on over and above. Um, one of the groups that did ironically buy it was Wimbledon. And Wimbledon paid out big. And a lot of people saw that come across and said, well, Wimbledon got paid. Why are we not getting paid? And Wimbledon paid Wimbledon, the premium for it. They paid every year for, I think, 17 or 18 years, that additional premium or for that rider uh, for a pandemic or an outbreak. Wow. Um, and uh, MLB's right in the middle of it right now. MLB's released lawsuits uh, against some carriers, from what I understand. Um, I will tell you that I only know of a couple events that had bought that rider and got paid this year. The majority of them didn't. They bought it for, you know, a riot or um, weather or whatever it may be. But pre-March, you could have bought it. You're not going to get it for years to come. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, it makes sense. If you think about it, what is it that affects our, our fares, our state and county fares? They get affected by, you know, acts of violence, potentially riots, you know, civil unrest, 
weather. I don't think that the majority of people in our industry, I can't imagine sitting in a fair board meeting and going, all right, guys, you know, in, in November of, tw of 2019 going, I think we should buy pandemic insurance. I think everybody would look at you and be like, what are you talking about? You know, most fair boards were concerned about heat, you know, wind and rain. And yep. rightfully so. Those are the three things that, that most affect an event, you know. Did we get high wind? Did we get high heat? Did we get a ton of rain the, the day of the event? You know, those are what they're looking at. And that is primarily what was sold across the industry. Um, there was a lot of people out there that didn't think they needed the rest of it, which most of us didn't believe it. Right. And, and I think for the most part, fairs probably won that bet, uh, you know, in the long run by, you know, can you imagine being like Wimbledon? Can you imagine an average county fair trying to pay a premium for 10 or 15 straight years on pandemic for it to pay off one time? I mean, obviously Wimbledon's a, a billion dollar industry. None of our fairs are running that kind of money. Right. You know, most of your fairs are looking at covering what they would lose if they had rain and they can't afford much more than that, you know, right. uh, and that's what it was built for. And that's what we sell. Um, but the, the event cancellation market has totally changed. You can still get it for the, the perils that we'd always talked about, the wind, the rain, the heat, the whatever. But to be able to get it for a pandemic obviously dried up in March. Um, and everybody's asking about another aspect of it. It's called business income. And that's something that a lot of people have reached out and said, well, we have business income. Um, we have business loss. You know, um, the problem with that one is, is in order for it to trigger, you have to have a property loss, which would be a fire, tornado, flood, that kind of thing. And nobody had that. It was a pandemic. And the so, pandemic does not qualify uh, for those policies to trigger. Correct. Yeah. And there's a lot of lawsuits floating around right now. And I'm not going to speak to those because I'm not a lawyer. If sure. I was, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the thing I love about this industry is we're resilient and we're going to come back and we're going to come back bigger and better than ever next year because everybody is wound up. Everybody's ready to go. You know, everybody from, uh, you know, the concessionaire to the entertainer, to the carnival, to the insurance guy, we're ready to go, you know? And I think once we get some things rolling, um, the insurance industry will come back and there's going to be some modifications and, uh, sure. you know, but we're going to come back. What, um, you know, back at the beginning of the pandemic is events start to cancel and what kind of impact does that have? We know on a fair, you know, obviously we see the fairs canceled. They're, you know, the ride operators can't come in. The concessionaires can't come make money. Entertainers are, are out of business. What impact does it have on you guys as insurance agents? It's a huge impact this year. Um, I would joke that we did three times the work we've ever done in, in a season because we wrote the business. We serviced the business multiple times because of questions as far as the pandemic. And then in most cases, we ended up having to go in and, and modify the policy with an endorsement to give the majority of the premium back. And so for the majority of our clients that didn't have their events this year, we gave a big chunk of money back to them on the liability and the liability related uh, policies. Now, obviously property, you wouldn't, but that liability um, was a big chunk of their budget. And so those, those events came back and said, Hey, you know, we didn't even open the gates this year. And so at the end of the day, those fares were getting a, a big return from us um, because they didn't have that exposure. They didn't right. have the carnival. They didn't have the rodeo. They didn't have the entertainment. So therefore it wasn't right for us to keep that money um, without the exposure. 
Now, is that something within the insurance world that you guys, you know, technically you could have said you already paid for it. We're not refunding it. Or was this just one of those things that you're like doing the right thing is the right thing. And we're going to refund that. Um, it, it was, it was a matter of Ryan Wilkerson pulling the trigger and saying, we need to do the right thing for the industry. And so we were one of the first ones, if not the first one to do it and got right out of the box, whether it be our carnivals our water parks our fairs or rodeos, all of it. Um, right. and what we did was we said, you know, tell us what you're going to do this year, you know, um, and we will modify it based on the exposure. So I have clients that literally didn't open the gates to their grounds other than to mow the grass. And so they've got this big chunk of money coming back to them right. for that exposure. Um, and then I have other clients that even though they didn't have a fair this year, they drew more people to the grounds over the year through the small stuff, the fair food drive-ins, the, the movie drive-ins, the drive-in concerts, you know. And so we look at it on an individual basis for each fair manager. But we took the stance that we are a part of this industry and we are a part of it as a partner uh we want to be here for you guys as entertainers carnivals fair managers and that's why we did what we did um so to answer your question it was a big impact on us both uh from a work standpoint financial standpoint but we're going to come back next year and all of our partners and all of our clients are going to come back next year and we're going to be bigger than we were before yeah we're we're now, as we record this, somewhere around 300 days into 15 days to flatten the curve. Yep. <laughs> All of us are hoping um, by, you know, hopefully the middle of 2021 that we're starting to get some fares rolling with some level of, of safety and maybe this vaccine gets going. Um, in the interim, we've got an entire slate of fares in Florida that are ready to kick off next month. Governor DeSantis has the state open. Um, time will tell how that works out for them. But in the interim, what do you think are some things that fairs need to be keeping in mind as they plan for 2021 that will help, I guess, insulate them against potential lawsuits and keep their guests safe? Uh, I'll start with my disclaimer that everybody needs to talk to your own agent and your own you know, carrier and policy. Sure. But if you're one of my clients, um, what I'm telling you is a signage is key. And that signage may be different for each county or each state. Talk to your local county health manager, health department, whoever it may be. And the way we're doing it is, is if the local health department has deemed you safe to open and you open in the manner that they tell you to, then we're going to be behind you. Now, if you go rogue and open, you're not supposed to, you know, the, the sheriff is telling you not to and he's standing there, that's a little different. But what we're telling all of our clients is get with your local health department, get with your local CDC, whoever it is, open that dialogue now. Even if your fair's in July. Yeah, I was just, that yeah, I was just about that to ask now. you, you know, clearly they're going to have to work with their, their state and local officials. So it, you think it makes more sense now to be communicating for fairs to communicate step by step. Hey, here's how we're meeting this threshold. Here's how we're meeting that threshold rather than waiting. You know, like you say, if your fair's in July, getting to May and saying, hey, can we get a permit to open? Absolutely. We're working with our clients right now. That have, that have reached out to us and you know we're telling them guys start working with your local health department start working with your local cdc because you want to have that relationship built up right now to where when you call them in may for your june or july fair you say hey guys we've been doing all of this we've been going by it we've worked with the iafe 
the uh, you know the amusements industry, the carnival industry, we're all working in conjunction to put this plan together. And here's our book. Here's our here's our binder. Okay, and here's what we've got. And I can tell you that if you go to someone with that binder and that plan and say, we've really thought this out for the last five months, you're going to have a heck of a lot better shot to get open and to be able to do what you need to do as an event to be that event. I will tell you that there are a lot of Florida fairs out there that are probably going to open. And, and if they open and they're doing it legally, then great, good for them, you know, um, to protect themselves. The biggest things for us is going to be signage making sure that they've got that signage up that says, hey, you're entering in an area, you're entering at your own free will. And obviously every one of those signs is gonna be different, but that you have worked with that local health department or that local uh, CDC or whatever it is to say, hey, what do we need to do to be in compliance with you guys? What do we need to do to, to be in compliance and, and do this safely for not only ourselves, but the public? Got it. And, and so you think signage and obviously that messaging is going to be very important. We've talked with other fair managers about how important messaging is to make sure they protect their brands. Cause in some cases, if affairs limited or has lower, you know, less of a budget or they, the carnival's not able to bring, you know, 40 rides, they can only bring 20, their brands could look very different. So messaging is important, but on you're saying on the insurance side, making sure those disclaimers are out there at every gate on their Facebook page, talking to the local media so that everybody knows if you're coming in here, you're doing so at your, at your own risk and everybody knows what the rules are. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just, you know, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be something so small as, Hey guys, we're going to have to wear a mask because this is what the County's saying, but we're excited to have you here. We're excited to have you out and about. One of the best ways that, and Marla at IAFE said it to me, is we're just readjusting from what we had when we had E. coli. Right. I mean, when E. coli came on the scene, it was sign, sign, signage, signage. You know, we've got to do all this stuff. It's kind of like E. coli again, in that we have to, to do what we have to do and do it right, but we can still have an event. And you're talking about with the E. coli, especially in the animal areas where it was, make sure you're washing your hands when you come in and out of this area. Don't eat your food until you've washed your hands. That sanitation type signs to make sure Absolutely, people were prepared. Yeah. yeah, and you can, I hate to say this, but you can tweak some of those probably to work for this. Um, I have been on 40 of the state's sites for large gatherings and all 40 of them are different. <laughs> you know, nobody copied and pasted. Um, so that's why it's so important that you are are conforming to what you have locally, because that's what they're going to hold you to as a standard, both as an event, but also in the courts. So, Got it. Should fairs be expecting any type of like new languages or clauses within insurance policies that, that are pandemic related? Again, I'm going to say my disclaimer, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It will come. Uh, it has not come to us yet. Uh, as far as that I that I know of, we are still selling our policy as it was pre-COVID. I do know that there are a number of carriers out there that are now putting a rider on there that says anything from pandemic to corona to COVID. Um, what fair managers need to be very aware of is reading those and reading those very carefully because some of those are so broad that will include food poisoning, uh, E. coli, all of those things. Wow. Okay. You want to be very careful that what you purchase is not something that's going to be completely limiting to you as a fair manager and a fair. 
understand what you're buying. So, you know, tell the agent, explain it. Do you have this? You know, do you have something in there? Um, and that way you understand what you're purchasing before you purchase it. And you understand what will play out if you have a claim. And, and that I'm assuming some of that falls on you as, as an agent, when you're talking to one of your clients saying, listen, this policy, you know, maybe it's a little less expensive, but this is what, these are the points that you might be vulnerable on. Absolutely. And really spelling out all of those legal uh, to what to me is legal mumbo jumbo, but to you makes perfect sense. The thing that I, I go back to being an educator is we are very fortunate working for Ryan and working for this company in that we only sell what we believe in. And so our liability program is built around selling what you need. And if you don't like it and if you don't want to buy it, then that's okay. That's, that's not what is meant for your, your fare, but we, never removed E. coli coverage. We never removed uh, the ride coverage. So if there's a ride accident, you know, that kind of thing, uh, because we didn't believe in not doing that. I would rather have the conversation on the back end that, yes, you're okay, than try to recover from the conversation on the front end that, well, I did tell you. Um, you know, the caveat to that is, is the, the one thing is the rain insurance. I always tell people, it's got to rain the day that you choose. You know, uh, just remember, it's got to rain that day. But what you're talking about with COVID is looking at it, understanding it, and as a fair manager, fair board member, whoever you are, if you don't have a complete grasp of what's going on, ask the question. And ask the question in writing, in an email, whatever you want to do, but you've got to have an understanding of that so that when something does happen, you already have your plan and you already have that relationship with your agent to say, here's what we got. Got it. So we've been talking a lot about fares and obviously, you know, kind of larger clients is who you typically to handle the policies for. Um, but let's deviate just for a second. If you can shed some light on general liability policies for grounds attractions, is there anything you think acts smaller, you know, grounds acts need to be aware of in purchasing their general li- liability policies moving forward? Well, I don't sell that policy typically, so I can't really speak to it as a, an agent who sells 500 of those a year. But what I will tell you is, is looking at it, read your policy and anything that has to do with, you know, a bacteria, a virus, anything, read through it and understand it. The other thing that they're going to do is they're going to be very limiting as to where they're going to be willing to shift coverage for a fare. So you as an entertainer probably have to name additional insured Correct. the fare. Um, make sure that you're buying a, poc- a, a policy and a package that will allow that, okay, that, that's going to be willing to extend that coverage to the, to the landowner, the fair, whoever it may be. Um, the other thing that you're going to want to look at is, uh, as an entertainer, is, is you may see new contract language um, coming from the fairs, you know, the contract that you sign that says, you know, if you get COVID, it's not our fault. And so, you know, that's something you may just have to be aware is coming down the pipe. Doesn't mean it's bad. It's just something to be aware of as an entertainer um, that, you know, they may put something into the contract that says, hey, if you can track COVID while you're, you know, you're doing your uh, entertainment here, it's not on the fair. Got it. Uh, let's look for a second at Kansas City with where you guys are at at the pandemic. Um, are you, I mean, you've got a major metro area that's on the border with two states. You know, you've got Kansas City and in Missouri, which is I understand where the majority of the city is, and then the Kansas City, Kansas. 
Um, do you see the governments of both states that are coordinating efforts in your area, or is there a line down one street that's like there's rules on one side of the street and different rules on our side? Depends on the week. <laughs> um, I, I hate to say that, but I have friends in law enforcement on both sides, and um, you know, and, and it's just different. Um, one week it will be very uh, cohesive, and one week it won't be. And so um, typically Kansas City, Kansas has been a little bit looser uh, than Missouri, but then they'll tighten right back up. Um, I will tell you that the city as a whole is definitely quieter than it's ever been um, and is definitely um, not what it's used to. For those of you that are familiar with the plaza, the Country Club Plaza shopping area, you know, Saturday after Thanksgiving is crazy. It is insane. It's Mall of America crazy. And uh, you could have got a parking spot anywhere last this year. Wow. Um, it, it was that crazy. Um, I will say is also a person who has had now COVID. Um, it was, it, 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 it gets you, you know, but luckily uh, we were good. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it changes daily and weekly here in KC. So uh, having, having brought up that you in fact had COVID, um, how did that start for you? What were some of the symptoms you initially felt and, and just how bad did it knock you down? Um, I, I didn't really feel bad at first. I, I had what they said was late onset symptoms. Um, so I got them pretty late in the, in the, the cycle, if you will. Um, but it just came on as a headache and then I lost my taste and my smell and I went, Oh, that's not good. And by the end of it, it was pretty bad as far as oxygen. Uh, I dropped down to a 90 and wow. 90 is pretty low. Um, yep. And it knocked me down for about 20 days of not feeling right. Um, but, you know, I came back and I never ran a, a marathon before. And so I'm not going to say that I'm going to run one now. Um, but what I will tell people out there is, is take it serious. Um, take your vitamin D, take your vitamins, get ready for it. Uh, we're probably all going to get it at one point or another. But uh, just be careful. You know, um, it's something that, that you got to take seriously and it, it hits everybody differently. You know, the, the person that I got it from bounced back in three days and was, you know, um, it is what it is. But uh, the funny thing I will tell you is, is I've had it uh, mid-September and bourbon still doesn't taste the same. Wow. It's yeah. I've, I mean, I've, we've talked to a couple of people, not within the fair industry, but you know, Sarah and I are friends or, or family members, whatnot that, you know, friends of family that have had it. And they've all said the same thing that their smell came back first. Um, but even then they still had trouble with taste mm -hmm. or vice versa. And I guess that's a real, that can, that can drag on, which I mean, being in Kansas city, that's gotta be, that's like being in new Orleans and not being able to taste. I mean, steak tips aren't going to taste the same. They don't. Uh, I actually did a, a tenderloin and a brisket on the Traeger and all my friends said it was real good. <laughs> so. Wow. So uh, um, now what's the deal with uh, like your school situation there in Kansas City? Are they doing virtual? Are they in school? Depends on the district. Um, I've got a cousin who's a special ed teacher and she managed to go back uh, for one day and on day one back had to go, you know, back out, so to speak. Um, yeah. so, uh, I would say that we're going to see a lot more virtual coming forward into, uh, January until you see the vaccination, um, yeah. because it seems like everybody here, when they open, it immediately kind of goes back the other way. 
Um, I feel very, very bad for people with, with young kids right now. I'm thankful that mine's a newborn and not, not right. doing virtual learning. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of all over the board. You know, we have so many districts in the Metro here that it's, it's depends where you're at. Yeah. It's, it's very, my heart bleeds for the teacher. Of course, you know, my wife being an assistant principal and my son being a fourth grader, I, I, my heart breaks for all these people because some of the teachers have adjusted really well that, you know, they're technologically savvy. They've gotten setups in their classroom where they can do some sort of virtual teaching, but that doesn't mean the kids on the other end are, are taking it well, you know, in Nate's situation, he's a great student and he's got a fantastic teacher, but he is done with this virtual thing. He checks out of class all the time and just starts playing Fortnite or whatever, because he's just done. And so I feel like we got to get kids back in school, but we got to do it safely. I know Albuquerque schools, their board has voted to keep it virtual until at least January 19th. The reason for that date being is they know people are going to, families are going to get together over the holidays. You're going to have spike and community spread like that. And so they kind of want to give it that couple of weeks into January to see what happens. But my gut feeling is these kids in Albuquerque are not going back to school this school year. They won't be back in the buildings. You bring up the teachers and you bring up everything. And one of the things that I see as a former person who learned to be a teacher, um, I see a lot of technology issues for certain areas of the country. And I feel bad for those children that don't have access to the iPads or the MacBooks or whatever they need. Um, and that's one thing that I do feel bad for um, in trying to do all of this is if you don't have access to it, how do you do it? And so, yeah. Um, I feel bad for the teachers, the principals, the parents, the kids, all of it. And, and uh, hopefully in fall of 21, you know, we can, uh, the class of 2021 gets to have a normal year. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. Um, Cause that's, you know, there's just so many things that have perplexed me about this situation with this pandemic, especially here in New Mexico. Like this is just my ob observation. It's, there's no scientific validity to it. It's just what I'm seeing with my own eyes but it feels like we have far, far more mass compliance now than we did back in the spring and summer. And yet our cases are exploding out of control here in New Mexico. What do you yeah. see in your area with mass compliance? It's pretty good here. I, I would say it's pretty good here overall. Um, where I live, I, you see one in a, one in a thousand, you know, you see the random Costco person that refuses. But I would say that we are very, very mass compliant um, within the city here. And I would say that, you know, the groups getting together in the holidays, it's going to be a spike. But, you know, um, if you really are, are serious about it, you can you can take care and be, be careful. Um, the irony in me getting it, I say that, but I, I got it outside. <laughs> I was not for wow. transmission. So, um, you know, it happens. Be as careful as you can and, and take care of those the ones take care of the ones you love, you know, um, and, and just be careful. So I wanted to ask you, I know nationwide, you know, we got millions of people still out of work. Small businesses have been crushed. The last report, I think I read an article in Forbes a couple of weeks ago. We're right at about a hundred thousand small businesses across this country that are gone forever. What's it look like in Kansas City on the small business front? Do you see a lot of stores that are are going it's, out and they're done? It's tough. Um, you're seeing a lot of, of the local stuff that, that is having a tough time and struggling. Um, I will say the Midwest and, and KC has been very good about shop local, um, which has been kind of cool. You know, there's been a huge push for Christmas shopping locally. You know, don't Amazon it, shop it right. local. So that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of businesses that have, have either struggled or aren't going to survive the pandemic. 
Um, we've lost quite a few restaurants that are near and dear to my heart as a, as a big guy and uh, something that, that are, are going to be hard to, to miss when this thing opens back up. Yeah. Now it's that's place. Cause I was there a couple years ago on new year's Eve. Is that place that we went and got burnt ends at? Are they still okay? They're still okay. Um, the reason being is, is that place did a huge takeout to begin with. And so it's just, it rolled on. Got but, it. Uh, so they were very, it was very easy for them to transition. It was, um, they had a big patio. So we're still doing the patio thing here. Um, you know, 12 tables is now four, but, um, you know, what we've seen here at KC is a lot of takeout and, I love it. You're seeing a lot of shift to local versus national, you know, not as much Chipotle, but you go to the local taco joint. Yeah. That, well, and that makes sense because in the long run, I mean, even if Chipotle or, you know, Ruth's Chris, which I've got my own issues with them after the payroll protection thing, but any of these big chains, they may end up closing some stores, but overall they will make it through this. But you know, we have several times, there's a local Italian restaurant here in Rio Rancho that is owned by a good friend of ours. We try to make sure, you know, once a month or so that we're getting something from them because they're it. There's not a multi, you know, billion dollar chain behind them. And so those are the restaurants I can tell you here in New Mexico, we, it's the local spots that are for the Mexican food or whatever that people go to and it's where the locals go. And so the locals are like, we'll save the local spot before we save the national spot. You know, one that not, not a lot of people thought about were barbers. Nobody got haircuts during pandemic. <laughs> I, I have no idea what that means. Cause I bald and I haven't had a haircut in decades. It, it was really sad. I talked to my guy and he, he, he just, he goes, nobody's doing it. Nobody wants to come in, you know? And, um, it, it, I hadn't thought about it. I was growing my hair out just for fun. You know, right. everybody who sees me, sees me at convention, clean shaven and got a haircut. And, and, uh, by September, my hair was long and I had a full beard. And, um, but I didn't think about, you know, I'm not going in spending 20, 25 bucks a month, whatever it is. Yep. I get my haircut. And so that's another one that you think of. Yeah. We saw that at one point with, um, early in the year, my nephew was staying with us and, and Nate too, his, both of their hair, they look like I could have flipped them upside down and mopped the floors with them. They had so much yep. hair going on, but we, they couldn't even open, you know, the, the local um, haircut place right around the corner. Our governor had everything shut down. It's just been, it been a very difficult year. What do you think? I mean, obviously you're coming from the position of having had this disease, had this virus. What's been the most difficult part of the pandemic for you? morale. Um, I would say, you know, we as a country and we as a, a society need to be positive. And uh, it's something that we, as we're going to come out of this, it's not going to collapse the country, it's not going to collapse the world. But we need to stay positive, we need to be, be kind to each other. Um, but morale is the hardest, you know, um, I had a real strong uh, base of happy people around me, and I still struggled a little bit. And, you know, we were always looking forward to November to have the baby. So that was a real good thing for us. Um, but, you know, coming through, not knowing, you know, I mean, you don't know. Luckily, Ryan's done a hell of a job with this office and, and with this company, and we're able to be here. But you don't know about job. You don't know about health. You don't know about your friends, your family. So um, the biggest struggle, I would say, is as a whole has been morale. And we just, as a society, need to be nice to each other and, and understand that, you know, you're stressed, but so is the other guy. <laughs> yeah, I've said multiple times on this show that I think the way through all this is patience and empathy because 
you know, I think it was made worse this year because it was an election year. Had this happened in like, say, 2017 or 2018, I don't think it would have been necessarily as as rough politically. Yep. Um, but really, I think patience and empathy and just understanding that everybody's going through stuff right now. And earlier in the year, Sarah's getting so tired of hearing, well, we're all in the same boat. And I don't I forget whether she said it or maybe she saw somebody post on Facebook that that's not accurate. We're not all in the same boat. We're all in the same storm, but we've all got very different boats. And as I've said multiple times on the show, you know, a large cruise ship or a battleship is going to make it through the storm a lot better than a fishing boat. Yep. And so whatever we can do to support our neighbors, to reach out to our friends and family, I think that's really critical because one of the things we're not getting talked about is yes, we have roughly, you know, coming up on 300,000 Americans who have died from this, this virus, but how many have died from deaths of despair or are yet to die from death, a death of despair because they've lost their business. You know, I spoke to Linnell Smith down at Sydney Royal Easter show. They had two roadies that had been with the show forever that they lost. And it's a very difficult thing when, you know, for me as an entertainer, this, I mean, I could go get a regular job, but I would slowly suffocate and die doing it. You know, I live to entertain. So if you're listening to this, make sure you're reaching out to your friends, especially the ones you haven't, you know, we get used to as entertainers, we run into each other five or six times a year and we don't, we haven't seen each other at all. So those people that you usually run into, shoot them a message on Facebook, pick up the phone and call them. I mean, have you been reaching out to some of your friends within the industry this year? Oh yeah. Yeah. We reached out to all of our clients, but you know, a lot of my clients are also friends. And then I have a lot of friends that are not clients. And uh, you know, I, I have one person in particular, we talk probably once a week, who's not a client, but uh, you know, keep an eye on them. They, you know, they, they want to be, you know, want to make sure he's okay. You know, yeah. and uh, I got another buddy who here locally is not in the industry. And uh, you know, I just, I, I think about him daily because his, his business has struggled and he has struggled. And so it's nice to hear his voice daily as opposed to wondering how he's doing. You know, just pick up the phone, you hear him, you'll pick up on it pretty quick of how they're doing. Yep. I think that's the way we've got to get through this is find a way to do it together. Even if it's only in our small friend and family groups, if all of those friends and family groups, you know, connect with each other, fewer people fall through the cracks. Agreed. So listen, I really appreciate you being on the show. You've kind of opened our eyes about some of what's going on with insurance and what folks need to be looking at moving forward. Before we go, everyone on the show goes through a series of speed round questions. Have you gotten a chance to listen to any of the episodes yet this season? A couple. Okay. <laughs> so you know the speed round questions are coming. Here we go. Question number one, and these are the first two of the really difficult ones. Funnel cake or fried Oreos? Fried Oreos. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes. Star Wars or Star Trek? Neither. We can't be friends, man. This is just not good. This is not. <laughs> never seen out. either. You've never. You're the second person this season to say they have not seen, seen Harry Potter it. either. <laughs> wow. All right. So much fun you are, Andrew. <laughs> uh, okay. So if money was no issue for you, what's the first place you would travel when the pandemic ends? Alaska. Who was your first celebrity crush? Uh, Kelly on Saved by the Bell. Really? Okay, I'm down with it. And last question, 
uh, since we just had a presidential election, I'm going to avoid the politics, but I'm going to ask you this one anyway. Here we go. You can go back in time to meet one president of the United States. Which one do you pick? Kennedy. No, sorry. Teddy. Ro Teddy Roosevelt? Teddy. Interesting. And his Rough Riders. Awesome. In his and, young days, not in his older days. In not his, his older days. days. His his youthful days when he was venturing out west. Yes. He was a hell of a guy. I, I didn't like a lot of his presidential policies, but I, I mean, just he was a hardcore man back in the day. He was. And and for those of us, those of you guys listening, if you go to IAFE, there's a bar in San Antonio um, that is at an older hotel right off the Alamo. If you don't know where it is, ask Barney. He'll tell you. Um, it is where Teddy officially formed up the Rough Riders and go have a drink there. It'll send chills down your spine. <laughs> wow. I had no idea. It was right there in San Antonio. We've been going there for several years with IAFE and I had no clue. Yep. Ask Barney Cosner if you need directions. Is Barney's the know-all, right? For where is that? Are you just saying he's the know-all for this bar or does Barney know where all the bars are? Barney doesn't stay at the convention hotel. He stays at this one for a reason and it's really, really cool. And if I didn't have to go back and forth eight times, I'd stay there with him. <laughs> Got it. Andrew, um, I think there's going to be a lot of questions from fairs moving forward in venues as we push forward through this pandemic. If folks have an insurance question with you, if your clients want to reach out to you, where can they reach you? Reach me here at the office, and uh, it's Andrew, A-N-D-R-E-W-V, at H-W-I-N-S.com, or you can call my office at 913-676-9232. And either of those, you know, just reach out, client, you're not a client, you got a question, you wondering what I said, you know, just let me know. I, I help a lot of the people out there that, that we don't necessarily write policies for, whether they be a state agency, an entertainer, whatever it may be. We'll help you guys because that's part of helping everybody get through this thing together. Andrew, you're a good guy. I really appreciate your friendship. Listen, next time I'm in Kansas City, assuming this thing ends soon and I get to travel, yep. let's go grab some burn ends again, man. I enjoyed that. We'll do the barbecue tour. All right. Sarah and Nate and I really want to wish you and your family and your new baby very Merry Christmas. Give that new baby some love from us. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much, you guys, too. Have a great holiday and have a great holiday to all our IFE friends. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.